quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Hey, Joe. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, what do you think the street value is on alpaca, alpaca fur? Well, what are we talking? Are we talking uh, pounds, kilos, ounces? Everyone knows by the ounce. With, with the alpaca fur. <laughs> Everyone knows that. All right. <laughs> you know what? What? I can get it for you for three fifty an ounce blanket cut. Neck cut, $3 an ounce. Or leg cut, $2 an ounce. That's, you know, saves you a little bit of money, but it's a little lower quality. Are you sure we're not talking about drugs? <laughs> no, we are not. We're talking about today's sponsor of from Mobile, Alabama, Alpaca Fleece. They're selling it. They they have obviously um, a herd. I don't know. I'm probably not a herd. Oh. Anyway, they actually have some alpaca, and they're selling. It says uh, raw, ready to be spun or felted, clean of <laughs> cleaned of VM. I knew a girl like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to do that. Cleaned of VM. I don't know what VM, but it's cleaned of it. Uh, fiber of the gods. It says lightweight, warm, water resistance, hypoallergenic. Surely it can't be soft. Luxurious, similar to Angora, raised in my backyard. So it's so they've got some different choices. Fiber of the gods, though. Fiber of the gods. I thought it was a golden fleece. I didn't know it was an well, alpaca this, fleece. Uh, well, this is golden. Oh, some of it is. Okay, so you can get it in white, in long curly locks, or you can get it in brown or black, fluffy, fluffy or crimpy. Fluffy so, or crimpy. Okay. If you are interested, and and hey, actually, we picked this, but. I'm kind of looking at it now. You could probably make something really cool out of it. Like a, it would probably be a super cool, warm, well, not cool, super warm coat. <laughs> Should we buy an ounce of this? Uh, I'm thinking about going all in on this. Which 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 area of the country is this in? Mobile, Alabama. Mobile, you said that. Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. So uh, their email address is really weird. So it's like a bunch of letters and numbers and stuff. So if you want to find it, go to Mobile, Alabama Craigslist. They're a sponsor today. Look up Alpaca Fleece. And don't tell them we sent you. I'm going to be driving through Mobile in about a week. I might stop by there and you should at least get pick up a, a few, few ounces. ounces. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know what the law is, you know, crossing state lines with that. So be careful. Yeah, are you bringing any fruits, vegetables, or alpaca fleece into the country? <laughs> yeah. Be careful with that. Um, but hey, like I said, it might be really cool. So thanks for sponsoring us. Please don't tell them. For the last 10 years, I would look out through those gates at those bars and these tall buildings and say, that's where the crazies are. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think you grew up to, to have that bias, I, just as I did, just as everyone else did. I felt the same way. Uh, in my neighborhood, there are people who are no different from the patients here, except that they have an intact family who's caring for them at home. Uh, and nobody has identified them, in quotes, as a crazy. You know, they're strange, peculiar. But they are different. Everybody's different. I'm different. I'm, I, I'm sure you and I have our differences. I, I haven't decided whether I'm psychotic yet. Uh, and somebody else would probably have to decide that. But I'll tell you, if I was 
And I, and I may be talking to you in a rather bizarre manner, and your audience may think I'm rather bizarre. But I'm wearing a shirt and a tie, and I shaved this morning, I look pretty good, so nobody would be afraid of me. They'd say, well, he's an interesting eccentric. If, on the other hand, I was talking to you wearing a ripped T-shirt with my breakfast on it, a pair of chinos with the fly open, you'd be scared of me. So, uh, I am Joe, and with me, as always, is Ivan. And Hello. the gentleman you just heard speaking was Dr. William Werner. And uh, we're going to get into who he is and uh, what he did and what kind of guy he was a little bit later. Uh, but for now, we'll just say uh, today's episode is going to be on... Yeah, it's anywhere but here. It's a 1978 CBS. It was b- probably just a TV special that's that all came yeah, on, CBS on like reports a, yeah kind of like a 2020 or something like that yeah but it's bill moyer is that correct that's correct bill yeah moyer. so he's a pbs legend now he's got a moyer report i think it's what it's called on on pbs mm-hmm. um but this is obviously in his early days uh i called the episode anywhere but here a look at mental illness um it's a great place to start when we were talking about things like that yeah and uh this episode uh or this documentary has just been I don't know. I found it uh, like six or eight months ago, and I bet I've seen it. I don't know how many times. Yeah, but it's uh, really cool. It's really it is. It's it's a fantastic, well, informative, and eye opening. Yeah, yeah, and so I don't know. I think you said it. I'm I tired of saying I'm I'm trying to grow out of cool. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, it's very hard to shake it. I'm trying but to. I say that all the time. Try groovy on for size. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to be like, man, that is interesting, or 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 oh, that's that's um eye-opening okay you know just find some better adjectives i don't know it's just it's just cool it just fits everything and that's it almost fits everything too well cool yeah Yeah. it's cool cool (laughs) so anyway so any place but here i think you said that is the name of the documentary (laughs) and it is cool Uh, it is it definitely is (laughs) this qualifies you're making fun of me now So, yeah, uh, I got with Ivan, and, you know, we're always spitballing ideas about, hey, what do you want to do for another uh, podcast episode? And so this is going to be not maybe specifically on entirely on this documentary. There was like a whole plethora of documentaries for some reason that came out in the late 70s. Well, I say for some reason, I think it's because what we're going to get into in a little bit, uh, the late 70s, uh, mental health was a pretty huge hot button issue. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. And uh, you you did a lot of research on this, and I just did some sound clips, so I didn't do much. Well, I did. But I, I did read a comment in the comment section. Never do that, but I did mm. in on the YouTube video on this. So someone said, and it had quite a few likes, someone said, this is the reason our homeless situation in the 80s was so out of control. Yeah. Would you agree <clears throat> with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, so this movement, there was two things that happened, and I think it was like in the mid to late 60s. The FDA approved this, the very first antipsychotic drug, Thorazine. Okay. And that was, I mean, the, the, the pharmaceutical companies made huge promises. I think they oversold it. I mean, it did work. I'm not taking that away. It actually did. But there was also some pretty bad side effects but that came with some of But scientifically, when something works... Let's say you have a population and 20%. It helps 20% of the people. Scientifically, I think, and I could be wrong about this. I might have some people that are really well informed that would say no. But I think, from what I know, 20% is a really good number as far as the results go. If you make a 20% difference, that is huge. Yeah. So, but 
if you look at it from a broad point and people, you know, they take the scientific uh, or the clinical re- results and they get really excited about it. So that 20% in their mind becomes 80. Yeah. So then, then you have unrealistic expectations. Yeah. So yeah. I, do you, would you agree that that maybe happened with this? I think so. And also another thing you could take into account is like, do the means justify the end? So to get to that 20%, you know, what, what, what kind of funds and, and, you know, uh, sure. what, what did you have to expend to reach that 20%? Mm. But with this, yeah, it was, it was the release of the first antipsychotic drugs and Thorazine leading the pack. And then there was a whole, just a whole gamut of them after that. And then it kind of coincided with this new philosophy, I guess is what you would call it in mental health called deinstitutionalization. Mm-hmm. And it was where, and Dr. Werner, who is, I mean, we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll get into him. Uh, he was a huge proponent of this. And it was basically, it was this movement of thinking that people inside mental institutions were just, they would become institutionalized. And it was actually counterproductive. Yeah, sure. Um, so they thought, but now I want to say the, what, what the, the ideal thing that would have happened would be that these people are released from these mental institutions through a transitional program where they would, you know, first go into assisted living. It's almost like, I don't want to compare it to this. I, I, I think it'd be a bad comparison, but I was going to say it's almost like you go into rehab for the hardcore treatment, but then after rehab, you know, you go to a halfway house for six months and they help you transition into clean living. Uh, okay. Well, it was kind of, I think, that same school of thought with, you know, the manics and the people in, in just the throes of mania or whatever would be in the mental institutions. And then once they deemed, you know, once they were deemed ready, they could go through a transitional program. And in this documentary, Any Place But Here, there's one gentleman that actually uh, it goes, it follows him through. Remember, they go to the grocery mm-hmm. store. Sure. It's just a simple thing like that. He's talking about and this. Now, let's remember, this is 1978, but his his goal is to go to the grocery store and buy food to cook a meal for four people for less than five dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, as things were a lot cheaper, sure. obviously, because he does it for like it might three, be it might be twenty five dollars now. Or it may be, yeah, yeah, something but like that. yeah. Remember, he the his total at the store was like three dollars and eighty cents, <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ, because he got and, and he succeeded. Yeah, uh, he did it. I, I mean. For the most part. And that was part of the transitional services. So there was a sure. guy, that, an orderly that went with them and he helped him and uh, went back to his. And now what they what in this one, uh, Dr. Werner was over Creedmoor Mental Hospital. And that's in Queens, New York. That's mm-hmm. where this documentary is filmed. And then from there, uh, there was halfway. I, I don't want to say halfway houses. That's not what they called them. And I, I'm, I have. No, the, it's it's a similar concept. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they have committed a crime, but it's it's halfway between the institution and regular society. Yeah. Where basically they, they can have jobs within this place. Um, and as long as, and they can leave anytime they sure. want, as long as they let the front desk know mm-hmm. uh, they need to remain accounted for and things of that nature. Um, so I think, I don't know if, if, if the funding would have been there to actually have this available for everybody because even in the documentary it says only a tiny percentage mm-hmm. most of these people i'll say this this culminated in and and reagan when he became president was also a pretty big proponent of deinstitutionalization i've heard a lot of actually a lot of blame on reagan for 
just letting them all out. But it was going on before Reagan. But like in Creedmoor, I think, don't they say that the population had went from like 8,000 to like 2,200? Mm-hmm. And that was that way with a lot of mental mental institutions. Um, and so, yeah, in this documentary, it shows them walking just a few blocks from, from Creedmoor. And there are mental patients everywhere, mm-hmm. just sitting in the parks, even as they're filming and trying to do docu, you know, trying to do the uh, interview, they get approached by these people that are obviously mentally ill. Um, yeah. So what I get from the whole thing, and if I don't want to spoil it, I mean, I'm just, I feel like I should talk about this now. Yeah. And you and you've talked about it too. I feel like it is it is a good plan, but with any good plan, you have to have the means to carry it out. Yeah. So, and it doesn't work for just anyone. I mean, it, like we said before, it probably just works for 20%. Yeah. Uh, um, you, but you have to try it with 80 to see which 20% it works for. Yeah. Cause you'll uh, never know. It's not going to work for anyone yeah. if you don't try it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think about it like a bigger picture thing. I, I get real, real like philosophic with things like this. Mm-hmm. I think about this when I mow the lawn, I'm going to, I'm going to tie in mowing the lawn with this. Um, it's, it's like, you know, our attempt to like tame this jungle temporarily while we're alive and we have this land that that is ours. So we're going to make this like a civilized piece of land and we're going to keep it mowed and, Oh, my neighbor mowed, I'm going to mow. And I think about this, like we think about our civilized society and we think we, we put it on a higher pedestal than it belongs because we think about all these people that, Oh, you have the people that have it together and they can handle society. And then you have these people that are crazy, you know, that something needs to happen with them. And, and I think, you know, obviously some do need some sort of, you know, safety net from other people or bad things will happen. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's just, and I'll end it by saying, because that's a crazy thought process. Maybe I need to be an institution, (laughs) Uh, but it's just, it's just man's attempt to manage something that is incredibly complex. Oh yeah. Because there's no, there's no one diagnostic test that you could give someone say, Oh, well this person doesn't, all you can do is something happens and you know, we do our best and we say, a judge might say, well, this person doesn't need to be out in society because of this hat. This happened. How many people almost did something like that? And they're walking around. Obviously that happens all the time because we still have shootings and bombings and, you know, mm-hmm. domestics. And, and that's, I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a crazy, it's just a, something that we don't think about every day. And I think you touched on this in an earlier podcast, but the human brain is the most complicated thing in our universe. Sure. It's, and, it's an amazing thing but with anything with so much potential there's going to be a a, a dark side yeah no, and it's, like, not, it's not really a dark side i i regret even saying that but i mean there's going to be you know you just roll the dice and there's going to be negative repercussions and that's man like that is such a pandora's box what you touched on it just now what is crazy though sure what exactly because listen i think uh and, and and just to touch back on your homeless, the homeless statistics, just really quickly, I did a little research on that. And uh, homeless stats have been notoriously hard to gauge. They're really good. They've been really good the past five or ten years. 
uh, maybe even more than that, but not that much more. But anything other than that is basically uh, just an average or a statistic. Uh, estimate is what I mean. Um, but it is the the homeless homeless population did spike in the 70s and 80s, and it was in part due to due to that. And by the way, some studies have shown that 30 percent and more of homeless people suffer from mental illness. Mm-hmm. I, I found one study that showed 65%, but okay. anyway, I, you just take what, let's split the difference and say like 50%. I don't know. 45%. So, so but, recently, um, Oh, go ahead. You finish your thought. Oh, well, no, I was just going to respond to what, what is crazy. I think, yeah, sure. So what I, is? I think there's so many, I don't know. I don't know what's crazy <laughs> because you like you right now you could turn on coast to coast, you know, with George Norrie and he'll be like, you know, after the break, we have Sandra from Sarasota, Florida, who claims she's carrying Sasquatch's love child right after this <laughs> people are everywhere. We, we know people in our own lives that I guess we're just used to them. But if you really set back and check the marked off the boxes on what, you know, well, but constitutes is, is crazy. Is the line you you've hurt or or might hurt yourself or others? I think, yeah, I think that would have to be. But the, I mean, I mean, no one's a fortune teller. I mean, you can't say this person will. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, it's. it's I, like, I think that's part of being an adult. When I was a kid, I always thought I had this vision, and you might have had the same thing. We're very similar, and maybe not, but. I always had this thing like in my head that um, I would think about when I become an adult, some of these questions that I have, I'll know just because I'll be a really smart adult, you know? (laughs) So, and this is, this is kind of an issue that I remember thinking about when I was, when I was a kid, because I'd watched some things similar to this. I watched Cuckoo's Nest, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Mm, Nest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't understand it, but I thought, well, I will when I'm an adult. Yeah. But no, I still don't. No. So the other day I went, I took my daughter and my nephew to a movie and I went to watch a different movie, but my movie got out like 20 minutes before theirs. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting out in the parking lot. It was, you know, 10 o'clock at night and there was a lady, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's in some form of homeless, but the thing is, is she wasn't, you know, as dirty and as un, unkempt and all that stuff. She wasn't like that typical like old lady from Home Alone. No, 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 no. She, I mean, she lost in New York. Kind of nice clothes, but she did have a wagon that had a whole bunch of things in it. And when I went, my movie was a two-hour movie. When I went to the movie, she was out there, out just sitting on a bench with her stuff, looking through her wagon. I came back out, and she was still doing that same thing. She's the same spot. Wow. Um. So I had this. I just kind of sat there and. I, yeah, I did kind of watch her just, you know, I, I want to learn, but I don't want to be creepy. So I didn't make it, make it look like I was watching her, but she would just get up every five minutes and look through her cart and you could hear her saying something like, where's that thing or something. Yeah. Um, but then I had this another, another thought I was like, I felt sorry for it first, but then, I, but then I thought, man, who am I to decide that she's not, obviously there's something there that she's not the same as me, you know, mentally. I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm superior to her just because, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not out in the wilderness as much, you know? Yeah. Uh, but who am I to judge her and to say, you know, she needs help? Because I, cause I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I should go over and ask her if she needs help. But then I f- and felt incredibly embarrassed. So I think being an adult is should be kind of like that. Yeah. You should kind of be reflective and on edge. 
I get what you're saying. So I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, she might, as for her life, that might be happiness for her. It might be, and yeah, and we always, man, reflective. Isn't that the word you used? Sure. Yeah. I think it is. Definitely. <laughs> but I think that it is. is, God, that is so important. Because, yeah, we think we're going to know all this stuff when we grow up. But, I mean, I, I feel the same way as you. I'm, I don't think I'm any... I don't think I know much more than I did when I was a kid. I'm just a taller, I'm just a taller kid with male pattern baldness. That's it. You know, that's the only difference. I just, I mean, you look at her and you're, you, you know, you, you might be tempted to say, well, why doesn't she have a car? Right. (laughs) Why doesn't she have a garage with things in it? And And I'm bad. Listen, have a phone. What? Where's her phone? I'm bad about that. I'm that guy that I'm like, I look at a homeless person and I'm like, why don't they just get a job and get a car and a house and have a lot? You know, I'm that, which uh, that's embarrassing to say. Uh, I, okay. I, Cause you know, I know there, there certainly is a portion of the population, sure, the homeless population definitely. that is homeless because they just never gave a damn and they never tried. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm sure that there's also, I, I get it. I get some people just get handed a, a shitty hand. Well, that just happens. Yeah, sometimes. I, I totally agree. Think about 18 year old, you 19 year old, you, yeah, there's, there was a time in your life, I know everyone wants to act self-made. Oh, what I have, I work for. Uh, uh, see all this I have? I work for everything here. I bought that. I bought that. I bought that. I pay that bill. Okay. I get that. Yeah. Good job. You go to work. Every, you know, a lot of people do this. But think about back in the day before you had all those things and, and you were getting started, whether you're going to school or you got your first job, did you have did somebody teach you how to interview and how to answer questions right to where you could get a job? Right. Yeah. Did, did someone, did you buy your own, have you bought your own clothes ever since you're, you know, born, you know, (laughs) you know, what position are you in? So you had people, most people had people to get them in a situation to set them totally, you know, just like the, the push car, you shake it, you know, you, pull it back on the carpet and then you let it go and it rolls the right direction. I can even, yeah, the, the very first job I ever got, and I'll just do this. I, cause I can name the people. I can name the people that got me where I am or that helped. Sure. Cause if I didn't, yeah, if awesome. I didn't show up to work and try, obviously you can have people to an extent, but they yeah. can't just and, float you yeah, through. And I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, you, you, you go in the gutter for a little bit and somebody says, Hey, you know, yeah, you straighten up. So my, okay, first, go ahead, go well, ahead. I went through like right out of high school. I went, I signed up at a temp place uh, I worked a series just of kind of just crap jobs mm-hmm. for about six months, um, just temp jobs here and there. And then uh, uh, my uncle worked at a feed mill and he's like, hey, you want to, you know, I think I can get you on working here. And so, you know, it was 100 degrees and I was stacking bags of feed all day, but not for very long. I, I got to move into the inside, which was nice. Um, but yeah, so that was my uncle. And then from there, a gentleman that used to come in all the time and buy stuff. He was the one that said, Hey, uh, the city's looking. I, I noticed you seem to be a pretty good worker. The city's looking for a worker. So he's like, I'll vouch for you. Cause he worked there. So I went, got my job for the city, worked there for almost 10 years, you know? And then, uh, and then from there, uh, I really can't say, I, I don't guess I had a guy that helped me get to the job I'm at now, but, uh, I guess because of all that, because of that experience in the 10 years, and then, you know, from there I got my licenses to treat water and this and that, yada, 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 uh, that built up my resume enough so to where... keep counting people. Like, you can just... We could we could go all day, all night on this. Yes, yeah. Because you could keep listing people and, and just get rid of them. They weren't there. Right. 
they weren't there. Right. It's scary to think of. And the reason why you worked hard and you 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 worked hard in the feed store that you got you started because you learned that from your family. So get rid of that. You didn't have that either. Right. So it's very hard for me to sit there in my car and see someone panhandling and be like, look at that lazy bum. <laughs> look at that lazy bum that never had anyone that taught him how to work, never had anyone that taught him how to talk to people, never yeah. had anyone that, you know, show, loved them enough to teach them how to love others. Uh, it, it's, I understand being frustrated and there's always, I, I, I hear this story all the time and I'm very skeptical. It might be true. Oh, my dad said that he saw this guy after he had panhandled all day. Oh, yeah. He got into a Corvette and drove right, off. Right, yeah. Um, I, So it probably does happen. I'm sure it does. But are you going to let that 1, 2, 5%, 10%, are you going to let them? Let's say it's half. Sure. But you know what? Let's say it is half because the other day we were pulling out of somewhere and my daughter was with me and there was a guy panhandling and I drove over to him and uh, I think we gave him 10 bucks. Then we took off. And then she said, I don't remember who, where she'd heard it, but she said, you know, so-and-so said sometimes they just buy alcohol. And I was like, if they do, that's on them. I was like, you can't let a, you can't let someone's probable outcome of what they do affect your level of kindness. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So we can't be like, there's a, there's a however many percent chance that he might do something that we wouldn't agree with, with that money, but there's a chance that he might not. Either way, our act of kindness isn't diminished by whatever he no. goes and does. We still no, did what we go wanted. Away. Right. It's still something that we wanted to do. And uh and I don't I, that, I mean that was great. You can that's, drive away with a clear conscience. Uh, that's that's definitely a great thing to say about that. Yeah, that's I all wonder I wonder <laughs> no, that's no, that's great. I didn't I didn't even think about it that way. Um I I think about this thing too with that. Um and I and the reason why I, all this is pretty fresh in my mind is because of that one experience. I think about this too. The the negativity towards someone panhandling is almost. I think you have a negative thought in your head. I think a lot of people probably. Here I go. I'm thinking what you're thinking. I'm not psychic, <laughs> but I'm wondering if people have that negative thought in their heads. Like, man, I feel bad for them because they never had anyone to help them or whatever. Like we were saying before. Um, so I wonder if the negativity is like a defense mechanism to where they can be like, well, that's probably just because they're lazy. Yeah. And it makes you feel better and you can go on and not yeah. like, well, that's their problem. Now I, I get that. You can't solve everyone else's problem. And I mean, somebody might listen to this and say, well, why aren't you helping them? Well, you know, I, I, I do sometimes, but I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. And maybe it's like they don't want, they're scared of the possibility that that could ever happen to them. It or maybe they think it never to anyone. Could. I'll tell you what, the only difference between my life now and being homeless is like if my wife and I got laid off our jobs. And, and what if you had back to mental illness? Let's go back. Um, you know, God forbid, what if you ever had some, something set in later, later in life to where you just, you know, you lost some of that mental capacity mm-hmm. and then it's a chain reaction thing. And you're talking about, you know, something like, you know, a family separation, divorce and taking something really bad. Um, sure. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's scary, but I, I think it's important to stop every once in a while. And, and even I've, you know, I'm no better than anyone else, 
because I've had those thoughts too. And I guess that's why I'm bringing it up because, you know, I'm kind of mad at myself for just being, Oh, look at that. Look at mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I've done um, the same thing. Um, and we're lucky in the way that, you know, like what we opened up with, with Dr. Werner talking about, um, you know, I don't know if we opened up with it or not. It's one of the, it's one of the clips that I think we're going to play where he's talking about, uh, a lot of these mental patients, uh, their their bad luck is they don't have a good support system. Mm-hmm. Like with you and I, um, you know, it clicked in my head when I said, well, the only difference between us being homeless is just if we got laid off our jobs. But no, because me and my wife are both lucky enough, and I think you are too. We have family members. We have a family unit under mm-hmm. us, or maybe above us, however you want to look at it, that would we'd have a place to stay. Someone would help us. Someone would help would help provide for us where I don't think there's, you know, a very slim chance ever in any scenario that we would actually be sleeping under a bridge. And in the you rain have a certain something. amount of pride that wouldn't let you get to that point to where you would panhandle. You'd feel terrible about doing Oh it. yeah. I dig ditches all day for, and, I mean, I have dug ditches all and day. And people before, don't yeah. understand why other people don't have that. If you didn't have that figure in your life to, to talk you out of that, you know, mm-hmm. I remember, Hey, I remember a great, I just thought about this. When I was a kid, I used to, I wanted to play video games when my, at IGA, when my parents were shopping for groceries, I wanted to play video games and I only had like 75 cents. So I'd go to strangers and ask them for a quarter. Really? Because they, they, they wouldn't give me any more. I don't know how old I was. Probably 18. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I was probably like, I don't know, seven or something. I just yeah. barely remember it. But I remember my dad seeing me do that. And he, I bet he didn't like it. No, he was really mad. Yeah. And so that just, that's just one small example. And I didn't understand. It's like, why can't, why can't I just, they're happy. And you know, some old lady's like, Oh sure. Shiny. Right. Cause a cute little kid. Yeah. Cute little ginger kid. So I mean, a quarter? <laughs> if you had some methed out dad that didn't care that you did that, what if he was like, good job, son. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to play video games for free today. Yeah. So that you or, just reinforced or what? It. Not even that. What if he just said nothing? Yeah. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think we should be so judging. Yeah, because the people, maybe a lot of times, the people that are homeless or, or that we see panhandling, did, you know, were victims of some circumstances they that were out of their control. And maybe mm-hmm. they don't have that web, that web of support that we would. And more, you know, more than web. likely they don't. Or right. they do have that. And they've abused it so many times with... with um, you know, some kind of drug behavior, mil- yeah. mental illness. Um, and I, I mean, you could, I guess you could be angry that someone got addicted to something and it ruined their life. But um, I don't think anyone took something and thought, well, if I take this, there's a good chance that I'm just going to ruin my life. Right. Up. I mean, we, we all know, you know, meth and, you know, Coke and all that stuff, what it could eventually do and how you could lead to this, you know, terrible life. But, I don't, no one's willingly saying, okay, I'm going this way. Right. Yeah. It's going to ruin my life. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I, I think s- things are so complicated and sometimes we just want to make, you know, snap judgments. I even made the sound effect. Yeah. It's just literally <laughs> high tech here. Okay. So, so yeah. Who is, I mean, who's qualified to say, well, but you know, I think what the criteria that you gave when you become a danger to yourself or to others, maybe that's the hard line, like you said, that they actually, uh, but you know, it's just as far as a broad sense of the word, what is crazy? What is mentally mm-hmm. ill, you know? Um, and I, I mean, and there's plenty of people to... that have depression and things like that, you know, 
that it's a mental mental illness, but you know, it's not to obviously it's not to the level where they need. Well, tell me what's what's the difference between the homeless guy who's sleeping in a cardboard box and he swears to God that the Joan of Arc speaks to him in his dreams or speaks audibly to him whenever he's you know on the subway. You know where, <laughs> where I'm going. Where are you going with this? You're scaring me. What's, Go ahead. What's the difference? So if you're that guy and you hear the Joan of Arc speaking to you, you're insane. But if you're Brother Gerald in the First Baptist Church and you hear the creator of the universe speaking audibly to you, you're just, you must be living right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. <laughs> Check with us next time. No, I'm kidding. No, Do we need to go I, back and edit that out? No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I, I think it's th- a valid question. I think no answer is a great answer. All right, let's move on. Um, no, well, let's- you know, no, I, I, I don't want to um, um, be disrespectful because it's a great question. Right. Don't don't get me wrong. No, I know. I know. I just... I just Look, all I did was ask the question. No, no. So just... No, no, no. I, I don't fault you for asking the question because it's probably the greatest question that I've ever been asked in in the you know it, it's a great question it's so good I don't even want to answer yeah. it. <laughs> and nothing against anybody who no, believes no, no, anything no. that's no I, we're, we're not about that and I'm I, not, you know what I, I'm I'm able I think I can damn well ask that question I want on our podcast without sure. even without like really no no I don't mean to disparage anybody of any belief I'm just I, that's my question that was a question that was my uh and, and it's you're right because and i guess i'll kind of answer it this way if if it's an accepted popular right thought process right i can literally see you tiptoeing right that's fine (laughs) um but if it's you know hey i've mentioned it before one person can't start a movement you know if that guy's by himself he's crazy if another guy comes out and says, "Hey, that's in- very cool or interesting," yeah, that you think that, I think that too, and then three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand believe that same thing, yeah, then it's not so crazy, right? Right. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe another factor that would go into this, and a lot of people will be glad that I put it this way too, the fact the conditions that the guy's living in makes his ideology not as acceptable. Right. Um, yeah, true. I get that. Yeah. If, if you have the other thought, but you still have a family and you're productive and you help people and you're, you know, you're, everything's going Being pre- well. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you're, you know, it's a little bit more valid. I get that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I did answer. That was it. a good way. That's a good way to, to describe it. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, okay. I, I just whenever I said that, I was like, man, I could answer this a certain way and it make a lot of people mad. Yeah, and that wasn't a loaded question. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just. It was so good. I was like, oh, uh, that no, was just it's so good. He's cornered me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no, that's that's awesome. Good, so, good job. Have you any notes? Bonus or any? points for you. <laughs> All right. Oh uh, no, no, I'm 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 good. If you wanna if you wanna go on with your notes, and yeah. then we have some more clips. I'll just kind of work them in as I as I see fit. Um. Okay. Do you want to do a clip or let's? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's let's start your, your basically. I thought it would be interesting just to do a brief history of mental hospitals, at least in the United States. I focused in our country. Um, the first fully state-funded mental health facility was in Worcester State Hospital in Massachusetts in 1833. And uh, 
And by 1860, 33% of existing U.S. states had mental hospitals. Uh, in 1946, Life magazine published pictures of the deplorable conditions inside mental hospitals, and it garnered a lot of attention to the problem. Uh, just a few years later, in 1954, the FDA approved Thorazine. So I, earlier I said that was in the 60s. I'm sorry, it was, it was as early as 54. Uh, the first antipsychotic drug, Thorazine, uh, for the first time, many people had the hope of treatment living outside the mental hospital walls on this drug. However, the very next year marked the nation's highest ever numbers of people in mental institutions with the population peaking at 560,000. Um, in 1963, President John F. Kennedy signed the Community Mental Health Act, moving responsibility of mentally ill patients from the state toward the federal government. JFK wanted to create a network of community mental health centers where mentally ill people could live in the community while receiving care. So that kind of goes back to that transi transitional services mm -hmm. where they get the best of both worlds. Sure. JFK could not, or I'm sorry, could have been inspired to act because his younger sister, Rosemary, was actually mentally disabled. She received a lobotomy and spent her life hidden away, like the family's dirty secret. Less than a month Lobotomies. after... Yeah, talk, <laughs> Jesus, we need to talk about those later, too. Uh, less than a month after signing the new regulation, though, JFK was assassinated. Um, so he, he obviously didn't see the plan through. The community mental health centers never received stable funding. And even 15 years later, less than half of the promised centers were built. So it makes me wonder what could have happened, you know, had JFK... Well, lots of things make me wonder what it, how would our world be different if had JFK not been assassinated? Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, you just wonder: are do people wonder that because it, you know he was assassinated, or would he have been so amazing? I, I know, you know, and it's almost like it's it's it, the way that it is is the way it should be because may, who knows if J, that kind of doesn't that go That's to the, the, the Stephen King book. <laughs> No. <laughs> is That's that Bruce yeah. Bruce Hornsby yeah. or Tupac? Which one? No, no, no. Hornsby. For oh, okay, sure. okay. No, 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 no. But yeah, like for all we know, like the Stephen King book, uh, we could go back if JFK had never oh, been assassinated yeah. and the world would actually be horrible. You know, I love that. The part in that book that's amazing was that there was some force, and I, I don't normally get into this, but I really liked it. Some force that would try to keep things from changing. Yeah. Like, you know, the car like slammed into the, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. That's, read, that's, that's read really that book. Good. 11, 22, 63. Yes. Is that what it's called? Yes. Read that book people. Yes. So, uh, so 1967, saving 1967, right? Let's go. Right. Right. It's a trip on the <laughs> turned into a goddamn Australian for a I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Oh yeah. You got life. Good eye, Mott. Reagan, Ronald Reagan, is elected governor of California. At this point, the number of patients in state... Ronald Reagan, the actor? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my back to the future. <laughs> Who's vice president? Jane Wyman? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, don't ever hesitate to throw in a... a, a it's my favorite back movie. Back to the future. Well, my second favorite movie. Yeah. Is your... Uh, wait, first favorite. Is it still the time the machine? Time machine, book, and movie. All right. See? Yeah. I know you so well. Yeah. So, at this point, the number of patients in state hospitals had fallen to 22,000, and this is in California. Uh, the Reagan administration uh, uses the, de the decline as a reason to make cuts to the Department of Mental Hygiene. They cut 2,600 jobs and 10% of the budget, despite reports showing that hospitals were already below recommended staffing level. Also, uh, Reagan signs the Lanterman-Patrice Short Act, 
and ends the practice of institutionalizing patients against their will or for indefinite amounts of time. This law is regarded by some as a patient's bill of rights. Sadly, the care outside state hospitals was inadequate. The year after the law went into effect, a study showed the number of mentally ill people entering San Mateo's crystal, uh, criminal justice system doubled. Um, I'm going to harp on Reagan. Uh, he reverses earlier budget cuts. And this is a positive light. He, uh, in 1969, he increased spending on the Department of Mental Hygiene by a record $28 million. He also, and I had this written down, but I don't see it now. Reagan also signed into legislation the only law that actually allocated funding directly to the imp uh, improvement of conditions for uh, homeless people. And it was this, it was the something homeless civility act or something like that. But so he, he did some to hurt and, and contribute to this problem. But then he, he also did, uh, he made a few moves to help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the last thing I have on that. In 1980, President Jimmy Carter signed the Mental Health Systems Act to improve on Kennedy's dream. But this was repealed by President Reagan the very next year, pushing mental health responsibilities back onto the states. So basically a combination of factors led to the mass release of mental patients into the community in the 60s and 70s. One was the theory of community treatment, and that is a belief that keeping mental patients uh, segregated only confines and contri contributed them uh, to their problems by institutionalizing them. Proponents of community treatment believed mentally ill people with limited supervision and the necessary meds could not only survive but flourish in the community. But this was a theory that by the 90s, I think most people would admit it was a total failure. Yeah, whatever. and I just kind of wonder if, you know, and this wouldn't be popular, but I wonder if the answer is, maybe they could never be transitioned totally out. They could be in the community, but they always need something. Yeah. Now, something that the Dr. Warner mentions, um, I think we already played the clip, or, or I don't know if it was in that clip, but he says that there are plenty of people that would be considered great candidates for um, some type of institutionalized living, mm -hmm. but they have a strong support network yeah. and money. Yeah. And so that's why they'll never make it there yeah. and they'll never get into any kind of trouble that, that gets them locked up most mo, more than likely. I mean, I don't want to say never don't want to deal in absolutes. Only the Sith deals in absolute. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just go crazy on movies tonight. How dare you I'm crazy. on movies. And it's in the crap star Wars, that the, the, the revenge Ewan of the McGregor. Sith. Come on. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, um, so I, I find that to be, Something that it's common sense, obviously, but until someone someone mentions it, you're like, "Wow, I didn't even think about that." Yeah. So and and so speaking of Doctor Werner, uh, if you want to throw, okay, so yeah, I've I, got I've got a a clip that kind of ties in. Do you, uh, is it, it is it him speaking? Yes. It okay. Is. So after if you after you play this, I want to introduce my favorite one of my favorite people ever. Sure. So go ahead. And, okay. And then we'll we'll get to we'll get to my guy Eddie. Back when I was starting psychiatry. There was no way to manage the aggressive and psychotic behavior of the patients who could, could then be, who were then and could then be very destructive. So they were locked up in here. So they were locked up in here, very often naked in their own excrement. And they had violent buildings uh, where they put all the violent patients and all the violent staff, and those became psychopathic societies. It takes 
having seen it then and seeing it now to see the dramatic change that's taken place. And, and you don't realize it when you're working here even. Now, my citizens groups, and rightly so, would say, yeah, that's great, but you haven't gone far enough. In fact, once I was waxing uh, about how, what a marvelous job we're doing and how wonderful we all are and everything like that, one of my social workers said, yeah, you're right, Bill, but we're still the cream of the crap. So I just kind of hope this little, you know, time frame that I've lived in, I hope that um, because I'm part of it, that someone in the far future will just look at, you know, from the beginning to the end, from the 70s to the whatever. Did things improve? Did they figure out some things? You right. know, did they get some things right as they went on? Obviously, you're going to take a couple steps back. But as long as you can take a few steps forward, you know, yeah. in the process. So that's one of those things like. I think we're beyond that. I hope. Yeah. I mean, I hope uh, there's probably somewhere that some shady stuff's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, I don't know. I mean, I hate saying that thing. You, you can't save the world, but um, man, it's too bad. We can't. I know. <laughs> is hey, Captain, obvious? I guess all you can do is try, right? Well, yeah, you just got to be a little better than you were before. I think that's a song lyric. Sam, now I'm going song lyrics. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's the, uh, I think that's, uh, Axl Rose. I think that's guns and roses. You quoted guns and roses. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going to fire myself. <laughs> You're fired. Can you but, be fired from a podcast? But no, you know, watching this, the doc, the any place, but here documentary, you, you kind of fall in love with Dr. Werner. I mean, you can tell like it weighs heavy on him. He's, and just, he's not perfect, but he's trying. He's trying. And uh, so, uh, you know, if anyone, I'm, I'm sure none of, nobody listening to this has seen the documentary, but he looks just kind of like a slightly taller, thinner Bill Burr sort of a little oh, bit does, to me. Oh, he does, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's got his heart and soul in it, and you can really tell that, I mean, he's he's trying to get blood out of a turnip, basically, when he's talking about with the budget. and Yeah, and there are scenes where he's being, you know, critiqued and people are mad at him about certain things but he has a great response he says basically and you could probably quote it he says basically he only has so much funding Mm -hmm. and he has to figure out how to channel all of that Mm -hmm. because they obviously need more staffing and that's one thing they're they're raking over the coals about talking about how this goes on and no one sees it yeah Um, yeah that's that's the world we live in i mean you just don't have unlimited funds so you just have to do it the do the best you can with what you have. And in the documentary, Bill Moyers himself says that, uh, that Dr. Werner really wanted to show the conditions and what they were trying to work with. You know, they said when they approached him and, and, and to do the documentary, he just handed them the master key. You know, he didn't shadow them. He said, you know, he gave my, myself and the TV crew or the film crew a key and he said, have at it, you know, and they totally let them, I just, that would be like unheard of. So that of. seems like a willingness to want to fix the problem. Yeah. I think he, awareness yeah. is, is one of the first steps. So it seems like to fix any mm-hmm. problem. It's and, big problems because and, you need funding. Yeah. And so, uh, the kind of unofficial host, uh, or at least the tour guide is my man, Eddie Smith. Yeah. This guy, this guy is really awesome. I, I'll tell you what, man, I, and maybe a more intelligent or maybe a more experienced, Researcher could have found something on this guy, but I'm telling you, man, for like a week and a half, I tried every avenue I could think of to nail down any information 
So I'll, t- I'll, I'll set the scene really quick. So this is in 1978, and our man Eddie was uh, 23 years old at the time, so he was born roughly in 1955. His name was Eddie Smith, uh, and he is currently, at the time of the filming of the documentary, a patient at Creedmoor. He had been in and out of mental, in, mental institutions ever since he was seven years old. Um, I was able to find out that, well, it says it at the end of the documentary, that not long after the documentary was filmed, he was actually put into transitional services. Mm-hmm. But man, I can't find any damn thing after that. I even Hopefully that's good. I, I guess. I even looked up, I mean, this is in Queens, New York, and his name is Eddie Smith. I, it might as well be like <laughs> Bill White. Yes. So I put in Eddie Smith, even the birthday, and I looked at, man, I looked at records in Queens and the state of New York. I looked at obituaries, arrest records, uh, birth records for 1955 for Eddie Smith. I never found anybody that I you know, would feel comfortable saying that was him. Well, since you didn't, he led an amazing life. And he, you know, you know, he got married and he, and he just, you know, maybe had a kid and it was maybe. awesome. Maybe so. I dude, I even looked up, I called, I looked up the phone number cause Creedmoor is still open. Mm-hmm. Creedmoor mental, uh, I don't, it's got a slightly different name now, but I called them. I called the, you know, I called records and obviously it's, it's HIPAA. It's mm-hmm. a HIPAA violation for, for them to give me. They couldn't even tell me, I said, can you at least tell me? Was he ever admitted again? When was he released? Did yeah. he, has he died? And she said, I, I can't give you... They couldn't even tell me his middle name. Zero. Zero. Uh, you know, so. if you can read this, think a teacher. You, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever seen... Yeah. If, you, if you're not allowed to know that, think a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. And I'm telling you what, though. I'm not going to give up. I want to know... I need to know what happened to Eddie. And it's probably for good reason i mean information is is awesome but when information's in the wrong hands and i get it, it can be bad so. but dude yeah so i even, i, I want to know what happened to the guy because he's really cool let, let me show a clip yes of, let's of, give them a little we'll start out with him just kind of joking around and and you guys will fall in love with him too yes you know the tv you thought joanne is they have a TV in the male dormitory and a TV in the female dormitory. No females are allowed in the men's dormitory and no men are allowed in the female dormitory. But who in the hell listens to orders? <laughs> oh, well, that's the same inside and outside. <laughs> All right, come here. Yeah, so that was our man, Eddie. Yeah, he's awesome. And 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 the man, the other voice you hear is is the uh, is the uh, is Bill Moyers, who is the correspondent with CBS. Um, so you're not supposed to read the comments, but down in the comments on this video, I did read where someone said something about how he was an awesome guy, and he's like, I, w- I would let him come live with me right now if, if you know. Yeah. So um, we we just got to root for the guy, just because you know, I don't know. I, th- I think something humans are really good at is in some, in some cases is like instinct when you're just like, when you just see somebody and you get to talking to them and you just realize they're just, you know, genuine and nice. Yeah. And, um, I just, you know, I'd like to know what got him in there. Did I don't think that it ever said, no, I, no, no. I'd like to think that it was never anything violent. It just said he'd been in and out since age seven. Um, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about Eddie. Uh, but, you know, it's cool because he's in this mental institution, but throughout the entire time, he's dressed in, like, slacks and a blazer and, like, a button-up, you know? I mean, he looks almost spiffy. 
And he's smoking his cigarettes. And, and he walks uh, around and he knows the place. He's given the tour and, and just the things he's saying about, you know, here's the rec room. Here's the people in here. Yeah. And uh, he even talks about the um, quiet. Uh, what would they call that place? The, the quiet room. Quiet room. Yeah. And he talks about that. If you come out and you do something again, you go right back in. Yeah. And uh, it's almost like you wouldn't expect a patient to accept that that you would accept that it's like he accepted that punishment. Well, they, you know, they shouldn't have done that. That was a bad thing. So they go back in. Yeah. Um, which I don't know that you should accept that, but I, yeah. I, I guess if you're like we said before, you're hurting yourself or others, you need to be, um, you know, put in a place where you can't do that. Yeah. Notice when he's talking about that, he says you get a shot, I think is why you're, you get a uh, stick. Okay. So okay. yeah, they, they drug you or And who's whatever. to say that he accepted it. The fact right. that he talked about it was interesting to say the least. Yeah, so he's kind of like I said, the impromptu tour guide, and uh, he's just always fascinated the hell out of mm-hmm. me. He's so fascinating. Well, let's play some more of his. All right. Of his, there's two that we'll play in a row. He was asked about um, leaving the um, facility. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you ever get to the feeling I just got to get out of here? Yes, very often, very often. Where do you feel you really belong, in here or outside? Outside, definitely. The staff, the staff still feels I'm, I'm not ready for a discharge. That's another thing that really gets me mad. Cause, uh, I mean, I should, I should be the first one to know when I'm ready to leave. And I should know how I feel. And I feel I'm ready. I, in fact, I feel I'm ready to leave today. But the fact is, I have no place to go. Yeah, and there no, was the problem with a lot no of place people. To go wouldn't have any place and that's sad like where was his support system where were his parents you yeah know, where were his family um it's it's the the funding the money the logistics i mean that's the most difficult part um, yeah. and this is i think there's people like this that are just kind of you know there's a, there's cracks in the system that they fall through and and um obviously this is what happened to this guy I, you know and and another thing um not to disparage Eddie in any way, but, you know, I watched three or four of these documentaries with mental institutions, and I watched a lot of interviews with mental patients, and not one of them said, you know, if asked, do you think you should be in here? Not one said yes. Everyone, you know, it's like most crazy people don't know they're crazy because everyone said, no, I, I shouldn't be in here, you know. Yeah, and he said, I should be the first to know that. But I, I, I disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I do disagree, but. I do think in his case, he was probably right and yeah. kind of lucked into being right. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, what we, what he said is kind of akin to a drug addict saying, I'll know when I got a problem and I'll quit. No, there's but, some things that it takes an entity outside of you to point out and to know. And, but I'll, I'll take the other side of that. I mean, like we said before, who's to say, you know, who's crazy. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, I could sit here right now and say, I don't belong in a, institution but if someone took all my text messages that i've sent to you through the years and took out (laughs) took out certain ones just crazy ideas i had yeah it'd be like yeah let's go get that guy where's this guy yeah get the get the paddy wagon we got a padded room waiting for this dude (laughs) so i would i would definitely be hey i don't belong in here and you know what we're we're focusing on i well it feels to me like we're focusing on people who suffer from permanent mental illness but there's this whole huge other swath 
that we're ignoring. And lots of people have mm-hmm. had bouts of mental illness and so, then recovered. You know what I mean? Get that guy when he's five years old. And this is just hypothetical, purely hypothetical, because I don't know his whole story. Find some family that said, I want to take him in. And it might be a, a perfect marriage. And things are totally different mm-hmm. because he's got a support network. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, um, things that he was reported for by maybe his teachers or something. Maybe he's not reported for because it's a more well-to-do family. And it's like, oh, we're not going to call in on this family. Right. I mean, that happens here now everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, there's no way it could be fair. I'm not going to whine and cry and act like that. Oh, life's not fair. There, there's no way it can be fair because you've got human emotions and judgments and preconceived notions and, you know, favoritism that, you know, sometimes, you know, it's not all negative and, you know, everyone's been like, well, as a favor, I won't call in on this. Right. You know, because I've known you for 25 years. Oh yeah. And that's probably, that's probably right. Because you should get something, some kind of perk. I think one thing that's wrong with the world today, and I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but our perk system seems to be slipping away. It used to be because you did something for a long time or you worked somewhere and, and you were proven to be a good employee. You know, sometimes you just went home on Friday, a, a, a lot of jobs mm-hmm. or, or you just, you know, Oh, well, Hey, there's all this free stuff in the break room just because you guys are great employees. Right. I think, I think financially the world has tightened up so much and it's and the, you know, computers are, I'm not going to say to blame, but because, you know, percentages of profit margins and things are looked at so closely now. Oh yeah. The perk system just disappears. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, it's probably good and bad at the same time yeah. or, or who's to say if it is, but. but yeah, I've, you know, as as far as what you're talking about too, like knowing certain people or mm-hmm. I've been on the, the positive end of that. I mean, I remember one time, I think I was like 17 and I was driving home from work and I got pulled over and I'd forgotten my license and I had been speeding and, I mean, there was like three or four things that they were going to rack me up on. It was in a little speed trap town. You know which one I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. yeah. And this guy was like, I mean, he was, it was going to be bad. And just out of nowhere, this other cop on the other side of my car leans in because I guess they'd ran my license and, he's, and stuff. And he's like, are you so-and-so's boy? And I go, <laughs> yeah. And he, and he walked around to the other side and they talked for a minute or two. And then the cop leaned in. He's like... I'm just going to let you off with a warning. You know, it's like, get on home, you know, and it totally like, and I don't, I don't have an affluent, like powerful family. I just have a a good family that people, yeah, yeah, good hardworking people. Yeah. That people know and like, um, but that was a total, you know, I mean, so yeah, when you're talking about, look at all the times in your life where you just happen to, by knowing someone or someone getting a job or a promotion. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not, that's not necessarily a negative thing. So you get a job because someone knows of your family. Okay. Some people would say that's not fair, but here, here's, here's where I would differ on that. Hiring someone is a huge risk. So the fact that you can hire somebody that you kind of know of, I mean, that can save you money. It can save you time. I mean, depending on the job, it might take, you know, weeks to train someone. 
depending on what you're doing, yeah, that's money that you're out because some employees having to babysit that person. Yeah, totally. So if totally. you're like, hey, I I know that family and they're a good family, they're hard workers, they always show up. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Exactly. And you know, there's a, I guess there's a, a polar opposite to the situation with me when I was about to get a ticket. Let's say, let's look at this scenario. What if I'm still the same person? Like I was an okay kid. I wasn't, you know, I never really got into trouble. But what if I happened to come from a family with a bad reputation? It could have went the other way. Like mm-hmm. they could have seen like, I'm going to make up a last name and no harm to anybody with this last name, but like Franklin. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, is, is that is that Jimmy Franklin's boy or whatever? It could have went exactly the opposite way where they would have could have been even more harsh, were more harsh on me, you know, instead mm-hmm. of I'm just I'm bringing it back to uh, sometimes the person themselves is not to blame for the circumstance that they ended up in, you know, like you said, if you come from a, like an alcoholic home where you watched your parents beat each other and, you know, I've heard some stories too, where a kid had a horrible childhood. And then it said when they were 20, uh, they were about to get their life together, but they got into a car wreck and then they got addicted to Percocet and painkillers. And then they almost got off of that, but then their wife left, you know, it's just like, I, get, I don't definitely know. add up. For oh sure. yeah. Yeah. So is that person real? And, I, and I'm not to say you're always a victim of circumstances because at the same time I've seen people who have went through absolute hell, but they persevered and they fought through it. So it's like, where's the, where's the middle? Like, you know, I guess it's, it, there's no straight answer to it. It's yeah. That, that just reminds me of mowing the grass again. I mean, we're trying to tame this, this, whole world and 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 decide what's civil and what's not um but i mean really historically we're pretty new at this thing called civilization yeah especially modern civilization um and i think sometimes people think that we know more than we really do know i mean some things you really have to think about and and not everything will be fair yeah because it hasn't like in 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 the, the age of the earth in terms of that it hasn't been that long ago that we were eating eating raw dead animals and and pooping behind trees. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. hasn't been that long ago. No, not really. So, what what was that? It was a notification. Oh, I thought you had an idea, like a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> that was a blooper. We'll leave in there. Let's sure, do some more Eddie Smith. Yeah, Eddie. Uh, so this is uh, he's talking about how someone's going to know if he's um, you know has a mental illness or not. This is the saddest. This this makes me sad. This is a heartbreaking clip. But and, in and a way, it kind of makes me happy because it kind of highlights, you know, what the problem is in this whole episode. Yeah, true, in, true. In, you know, in a in a nutshell, I hate, I hate I hate that one. In a nutshell. In a nutshell, I hate that. No, that's fine. Okay. One of the things we hear is that when people like you leave, a lot of people mistreat them. You know, yeah. say things. And, Make it hard on you. How are they going to know I'm, how, how is it, I look at it this way, how is the people on the outside going to know if I'm, that I'm a patient in Cleveland, unless I advertise or unless I start acting crazy? I act perfectly normal on the outside. Well, you do in here too, as far as I can tell. You don't know me that well, Bill. Man, poor Eddie. That yeah, that's what to me it's heartbreaking. Well, maybe not poor Eddie. I mean, at least well, at least he's at least he's so awesome that we can like him now. And you know, he he does have a certain kind of gift that some people don't have. I mean, yeah, yeah. So 
uh, yeah, likability. It's just, you know, it, I don't know. It, like I said, it's heartbreaking when he says, you know, how would anyone know that I was ever in a mental, you know, and, and he's, I, you can't see him obviously on the podcast, but and to hear him and see him, it's, he doesn't know, he doesn't realize, I guess, that it, it's fairly obvious that, that he has some sort of diminished mental capacities, you know? Um, he doesn't realize, and like I said, that goes back to, I guess, uh, crazy people don't know they're crazy. Not to but, say he's crazy, but, but if we were driving and he saw a panhandler, would he instantly get angry? <laughs> no. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so who has the mental deficiency? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he would probably say poor guy. Right. Or poor person or whatever. Uh, that's something that. I don't always say, or I don't always think. Yeah, I don't know. Just thought of no. Ra- Ralphie May had a bit about that, and I won't quote it because he he doesn't refer to mental mentally diminished people in the kindest light. But it was it was just because he was being funny. But he he said he wishes he could be that kind of happy. Like he had a friend when he was a little <laughs> kid. He said if he had a Scooby Doo lunchbox, you know, and an ice cream cone or whatever, that kid was. He's like, why can't we all be that happy? I've thought about that too. Why, yeah, man. Why can't we? I think maybe they're onto something that we all like need a hit of. You know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> I don't get it. Did I did I tell the sugar bear story on the podcast? I if you did, I forgot. So there was this thing on the cereal box on the sugar bear. Remember that one? Was it like a sugar, sugar smacks or yeah, some crap? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, no, that's not what it's called. But anyway, that's my damn cat. Um, you could you could save up like three proofs of purchases and you could mail them in and you would get a free stuffed sugar bear <laughs> in the mail. And when I mailed it in and I read the things, it said it would be six to eight weeks. So I, you know, I was, you know, eight years old. So I set my calendar and I knew the week that it would come. Man, I, when you're eight years old, six weeks may as well be like two decades. Yeah. But oh the, my God. the problem is not the problem. The great thing is, is I didn't care. Because it was like a countdown to greatness, and I and I real I realize this now that when you plan a vacation, that's not even the best part. It's it's the leading up to it, like a week or two before a vacation. Your probably happiness level is peaked. Then then you go on the vacation, and the reality of the vacation, you spend the money and you do all this stuff, and the thing that you're going to look at, it's not quite as cool as you thought it'd be. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a negative person, but that six to eight weeks in my life was amazing because I, I was anticipating the sugar bear and people would come over and then say, Hey, Hey, Ivan, how are you son? And I'd say, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm great. Six weeks until sugar bear. And they'd be like, I'm surprised I didn't get locked up then five weeks, four weeks till sugar bear. Four. And so I, when the day that it came, we opened the mailbox. I checked it every day. It was about four or five weeks in because, like, I'm not going to miss it. And it was in a little white box about, you know, as as big as, like, a, you know, soup can. And I opened the white box up, and there was a bunch of stuffing in there. And then it was, like, a little stuffed animal sugar bear, and it was only, like, three inches tall. And I grabbed it, and I, I had it in my hands, and I was, like, speechless. <laughs> and my sister was with me, and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, Sorry. This is awesome because it was so small. She thought I would be like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So I, I did everything with it all summer long. I really? Like, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I just, I just, I I wish that, you know, I'm happy now, but I just, I wish we could all be that happy all the time. Just oh, like yeah. you said on the, the Ralphie May thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. 
And you know, okay, so you know who just popped into my mind? I Go. think it's because you said your childhood. And it's so cool because, okay, so Ivan and I, to those listening, we've been friends for, what, 17 years or something like that, 16 years. Um, but it's, so we were in our 20s when we met. Uh, but one guy, I, I don't remember which one of us brought him up one time, but Bernie the sucker guy. Oh, yeah, Bernie, yeah. It's just yeah. so cool because we both, we didn't live in the same town, but we didn't live that far apart. Yeah. And my, my dad and I would go over to where Ivan grew up all the time and stuff. So there was a guy uh, named Bernie, and he was very obviously, uh, he suffered from some sort of mental illness, right? Um, and I don't know any, you might, so you lived in the town that this guy was in. You might know more about him than me, but all I know was every time me and my dad would go over to this town to get our hair cut or to do whatever we were doing, Bernie was always walking around town and he drug a little wagon with a bucket in it full of suckers just like big lollipops or whatever Mm -hmm. and then he had a t-shirt that had a printed thing on it that said bernie's suckers and what were they 25 50 cents well i I think they were like 35 cents and then they went up to 50 oh so he had inflation he had (laughs) yeah he did he did he's like i'm tired of losing money on but doing suckers he never talked like hardly hardly he would say suckers that's it yeah and he he would talk a little bit but and then, because I never forget, like, my dad would give me the, the change. I'd be, Dad, can I get a sucker from Bernie? Sure. And he'd give me the change. I'd run up to Bernie. He'd go, sucker? And I'd go, yeah. And then I'd give him the money. I'd pick out the sucker. But he he was, he was walked around that town for years. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, when was the last time you remember seeing Bernie? Do you know what happened to him? Um, yeah, he died, and it, it's been about uh, eight eight or ten years ago that's it mm-hmm. wow that hasn't been that long ago wow was he walking around until then because i could i i can't remember the last time i saw I him i think he went i think he had a few years where he couldn't get around so you didn't see him very much okay um I, I do know that i had a manager i worked at a grocery store for a while and i had a manager that was kind of like howie mandel like a he didn't like to touch people oh, he's yeah. real like germaphobe yeah and bernie poor bernie <laughs> His hands had all type, types had hundreds of yeah. little bumps all over them. I yeah. don't know what they were. Not really warts. I don't know. Just bumps. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. And don't know my grocery manager, he wasn't a bad guy. And no, he's a store manager. He wasn't a bad guy. He's a great guy. Um, but he just didn't want to touch him. He didn't even want to touch your hands, <laughs> um, much less Bernie's. So I would, on the way into the store, if Bernie was out there, I'd be like Bernie. Come over and shake his hand. And no I'd, way. I'd shake his hand because I didn't care. Yeah. And it was so funny because I, I kind of like you did with that question earlier. It cornered him. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. But yeah, it was the funniest thing because he would like shy away and he'd be like, oh, and he'd finally do it because he's not a bad guy. But um, there was one day that I think he was mad at me for about half the day because I did that. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, in another Bernie story, one time I was going into the store and he said, do you want a sucker? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And I reached in my pocket and I only had one quarter and it was like, it's just starting to get cold. It was in the fall. So I was like, no, Bernie, uh, you know, here's a quarter. I'll give, I'll get the rest later and I'll get the sucker later. And I just flipped it to him and he caught it. I don't think he caught it. I think it went, fell on the ground. So I kind of feel bad about that, but he picked it up. <laughs> he loved it. He loved it. And he put it in the, uh, little thing he kept his money in mm-hmm. And winter came, spring, and he was out there again because he didn't do much in the winter. It was really cold. And uh, on the way in, I heard him say, sugar. And I was like, oh, there he is. And I reached down. I had 50 cents. 
And I said, oh, yeah, I'll take one. And he gave me a quarterback. He said, oh, you only owe 25 cents because you gave me that quarterback. No way. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. He, he remembered that. I, I was like on his tab. I, Dude, I, that's cool, I man. put my down payment on a sucker, and then I, I cashed it in. Man, for all we know, <laughs> for all we know, Bernie may have had this extensive database in his brain. What if he had that same deal with like 300 people? Yeah, he might have had all these like crazy I rain mean, man that's, type. That's just his business. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I was super impressed cause I just barely remembered it. Yeah. I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. <laughs> that's crazy. So I was, super and I'm impressed. supposed to be not mentally ill. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Who's who has diminished capacity and who doesn't here? Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was incredibly impressed. I've told that story a hundred times. Dude, of, that's the first time I've heard it. That's awesome. But the, he's a highlight of humanity. I think because mm-hmm. he never hurt anyone. He just kind of worked and did his thing with the suckers or whatever. But the low light of humanity was I was at our local mall and there was a guy and I thought his shirt said Bernie's suckers 50 cents. Right. Cause Bernie always had the suck Bernie's yeah. suckers 50 cents. But you know what shirt he had? And I guess he had it made. It said Bernie sucks 50 cents. You're kidding me. Yeah. So you talk about a D bag. He had that, that. That had to be our Bernie. Yeah. Oh, no, it had to be. And it said and Bernie he, sucks. he had to be a D bag. So he probably had printed out thinking it was so fun. <laughs> hey, guys. What <laughs> a douche. Yeah. I'd probably, you know. Oh, oh, hey, I hope. frat boy mentality. Oh, I you hope know? he gets cancer. <laughs> what a douchebag. No, there's no excuse. I, you know, I wanted to be sure. So I, and, and this was, you know, I was 20 years old. I was pretty chicken and he was a kind of a big guy. I'll be honest with you. But I went back and I looked because I passed him. Well, he's got a Bernie shirt on. That's cool. Yeah. And it's, yeah. You know. Dude. Yeah. Okay. I, I take, don't, yeah. I, I don't hope he gets cancer, but still that was not, <laughs> not cool, man. So anyway, not cool. Uh, hey, we spent 10 minutes on Bernie. That's cool. I yeah. I, I, I've had him in the back of my mind this whole podcast. Bring up Bernie. We can't so, talk about this up, Bernie. I, I want to, I have one clip from, uh, what was the name again? Oh, your favorite guy. My favorite guy. Richard. Uh, I think Eddie is my favorite guy. Okay, okay. I like this guy, Richard, because um, I have no idea how he got where he's at, <laughs> but he's almost like a Rodney Dangerfield. Maybe his, maybe his punchlines aren't as good, but this one, actually, I'm going to play is actually, it's, it's kind of racist. I think, I think if Rodney Dangerfield, Don Rickles, and Gerald Ford had a had love a child, baby. it's this dude. Yeah, there I don't know how that would happen, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so he, here he is, right here, and this is when we first meet him. He's it's about four minutes in, or no, like fourteen minutes into the documentary. You know, it takes a lot to run this country, and this is the greatest country that there ever was. God created this country. He split the whole world up, and he said, "Here I'm putting the United States. Here I'm putting Canada. And I need to sleep every once in a while. I need a siesta, so I put Mexico, South America, taken away." What so, are you doing? I, I think. <laughs> what I think about that is, I think that he just came. He he was placing the the countries and i think he fought mexico and said the siesta thing i think it was on the fly i think he's incredibly witty oh me too. i don't think that was planned no i don't either yeah and doesn't he go on from there where he talks about uh yeah i should have done more i don't know why I didn't no it's more. fine but he talks about like you got to clean up the you got to clean up the bad neighborhoods you got to run out the rats you got to kill the rabbits well no you don't kill the rabbits <laughs> but people are a lot like rabbits aren't they and then and he, they Cook the carrots. They cook the carrots. And the, but when they cook the carrots, they take all the nutrients out of the carrots. And, and then he said, and that reminds me of a song. Oh, oh yeah. And then he starts He's singing. He's got a good singing voice. <laughs> yeah, he really does. But it's just it's this like rambling. It's like an old, like, 
you know, thirties, forties, yeah. you know, uh, you know, big band era yeah. singer thing. Yeah. And then, so throughout the entire documentary, Richard, I mean, you know, they can be doing something totally unrelated or they're interviewing somebody else entirely <laughs> and Richard will pop in and he'll hit you with this zinger and then he'll pop out. And it doesn't yeah. even make any sense. So what's the Black Jesus one? I wasn't going to bring it up, but go oh, yeah. ahead. So How they're trying to interview, like, I think Dr. Warner or somebody, Richard, comes up and he goes, and every I love it because every time when he delivers it, he wa- he walks off like he dropped the mic. Like yeah, he, just he does. The walk off. Yeah. yeah. He walks up and he goes, hypothetical question. If Jesus was black, would they still let him into the unions or something? And then he just walks <laughs> off. Yeah, he's got a charisma and a, you know, I, I Rodney Dangerfield, I, I think about that. Uh, I think about him when I think about Richard. So uh, Yeah, another one, I've got a few memorized. No, go ahead. He yeah. walks up and he, interrupts him, interrupts him. Hey, do you know what motel is backwards? Let him. And then he just walks off. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> Ooh, here's another one. Here's a really good one. Where he walks in, he's like, you know why they call a run in a stocking a run? Because you got to run to the store and get another pair. Boom. And then he walks away. <laughs> See, so here's the thing, <laughs> you know, I don't care where he is, it, you know, I, I want to sit with him and just, just soak it all up. You know, yeah. I yeah. mean, he's, Love he's it. just awesome. I mean, some people deserve to be famous and this guy does. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know at, at what capacity where, you know, obviously, but, uh, yeah, I just, I just really think he's that he's kind of the uncle that kind of everyone wished they had, or maybe some people have just a really witty guy that um, he, you know, he's like, I'm going to throw this out and I don't care. I'm going to just see if it sticks. And yeah, you know, he's in, 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 it's my favorite type of person that, um, that just does things for their own, just because they want to do it. Like that. I think we analyze and I do this a lot. I'm terrible about this. I'm about to say something like, no, someone will take this like this. So I shouldn't say it. This guy doesn't care. It's no. awesome. And 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 he's supposed to be uh, you know, a danger to us. Yeah. Or have you ever you ever had like a short conversation with somebody? I'm not even a conversation, but just like the teller at a bank or somebody at a grocery <laughs> store and then as you're walking out to your car, you're kind of going over what you just said. You're like, "What did I wait? What did I say?" You're like, "Was that stupid or, you know, yeah. I don't know. I do he that all the time." He doesn't care. But. Yeah, he doesn't care. No, well, you know, um, what would be crazy is if we actually got to do some research on him and it turns out that he like slaughtered his whole family with a uh, broken he, beer bottle he or would, something. He wouldn't be in there. <laughs> Surely not. And then got off on, or, you know, I don't know. And then it, just because if he was crazy enough. You know, you, you talk about pleading insanity. Like, uh, oh, the guy that murdered six people pleaded insanity. <laughs> um, wouldn't you have to always get that? You know, yeah, right, yeah. Oh, he's perfectly sane. Yeah, uh, this th- I think a comedian's brought this up before. I think I think I'm ripping it off, but um, yeah, no, he he's sane. He's good. Right. You know. Yeah. Wouldn't <laughs> one could argue? Wouldn't you have to be crazy to murder six people? There with probably a is some you know psychologists that have formulated this, and it probably does make sense. But just as someone. Uh, a mouth breather such as myself. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, but there's probably some way they've um, figured this out and, and it, and it works and it's, and it's scientific, but I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. Hopefully as well. in a perfect world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, that's, I think that's all my clips. That's all your um, clips. Well, that's yeah. all my research, but okay. I, all right. So, uh, one hour, 20 minutes. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Look at us marathoning it all the way. Yeah. 
good long podcast. And almost every time we do a podcast, as soon as you're like, all right, blah, 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 and then you cut it, I immediately was like, oh, damn it. Do you I have think of two else? things. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to Speak stall now or forever hold your. <laughs> I'm trying face. to stall so in case if, if if there was any. Well, I did want to hit just this isn't a major. Yeah, go point. ahead. This isn't a major point I wanted to bring up or anything, but I had the thought while ago when I brought up how many people have had short stints of mental, like a mental breakdown. You mm-hmm. know, uh, the amount of people who have willingly checked themselves into a mental institutions. By the way, Creedmore. That was in the documentary, Woody Guthrie, he died there. Oh, wow. Lou Reed, he spent a year or two there. Um, there was a couple other famous people that had been in and out of there. But yeah, Woody Guthrie ended up being there and he was there and for see, a year and passed that's away. That's very surprising because you listen to his, his songs about the Dust Bowl. And, uh, I, you know, I used to listen to him a little bit and I'd, re- I'd do more reading of the lyrics than listen to him. I mean, his music's great, but it's not really my cup of tea. But um, to me, he's brilliant. Yeah. And yeah, just yeah. because maybe some people think you're brilliant doesn't mean that mentally you have it all together. So, um, yeah. Also, uh, James Taylor has spent time when he was younger and this is before he released any of his first albums, but he was, he was in and out of mental institutions for a little while. Yeah. James Taylor. Yeah. And so, yeah. What is the difference with, you know, what is the difference between people that have the, the manic long-term, chronic mental illness and i mean you know this is kind of a it's not really a sensitive subject because i don't really care to talk about it but i've went through some stuff on my own yeah you know i think everyone has but i mean i know you've confided in me and and uh definitely i wouldn't see you as a a crazy person but i just think you you went through i mean obviously oh um, yeah i mean well it's one of those deals and just speaking uh, uh as someone who went through it i was it a mental breakdown? Because all I know, it you know, for about six months, I feel like I was not myself. I disassociated from my family and most of my fr- I I just, I don't know. It was very strange. I was drinking like a fish, See? doing lots of things not characteristic to the person that I feel like I am. And then when it's all over and you're on the other side of it, you look back and you just think, Jesus Christ, you know. See, you just, what you just totally set me up because this is something I know a little bit about because I've read about it. Okay. And it's, and it's only because I have sort of other than you, because you're kind of a guru of mine. Um, oh. keep me in check. Um, but likewise, there is a guy, Jeff Foster. He is, he is, um, what I consider to be a guy that, um, helps people. You've told me about Jeff Foster because yeah. here's what he says about depression, depression. He calls it deep rest. And here, and, and I'll shortly explain, and we've talked about this before, obviously, but he thinks that everyone plays a character. I know you as Joe, and I know it, I could, we could almost play like the newlywed game. That's kind of weird, but like, I would get a lot of answers correctly. Yeah. Like I knew what your favorite movie was. Exactly. So in a situation I would say, well, if you asked him this, he would probably say this and I'd probably be right. And you'd probably be right. And, and vice versa. And what he thinks is that we're all playing a character that we've created. And the fact that we're, we've created that character, that's not an unhealthy thing, but every day in all the relationships, relationships that we have, family, friends, everything, coworkers, we're having to play this character almost like we're acting 100% of the time. 
I and totally get and that. I'm not trying to say that everyone's fake, but I'm saying everyone's fake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm just saying, well, I mean, you're not trying to be. Yeah. You, you're just doing what you think you should do because you don't want to all of a sudden just say you, you just say something off the wall. That's not of your character and people look at you weird. Oh, that's not like him. Yeah. And I get what you're saying. It doesn't because the first knee jerk reaction people would have be like, cause you know, it's a big thing on social media, which is a garbage cesspool of Jerry Springer, <laughs> dumpster fire, horse shit. But people are always like, I ain't fake. I'm real. I'm this and that. But even just think about this. Okay. When you're around your grandmother, hi grandma. Hi, how are you? That's how you talk. That's how you oh, act. Oh, yeah. Now, as soon brilliant. as you leave that, you get in the car, your buddy Domino picks you up. Whoa, what's up? You yeah, know, that's that right. doesn't mean you're fake. That just means you don't conduct yourself in the way that you would around your buddies, maybe at a kegger or something around your grandmother. But that you know probably, I mean? t- and that probably takes mental ability to jump back and forth. Exactly. And almost like how Tom Hanks would play Forrest Gump and then he would play the guy in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, it takes some, it's, you're, you can't just naturally do it. You think it's natural and you're not using any resources, but what Jeff Foster thinks is that you are, and it takes a toll mentally. I totally get it. And so yeah. what you need to do and what you end up doing, even though you don't want to do it, is you end up pushing people away and you want to be alone and you want to, you know, I don't know, you just get more quiet. You're not as outgoing and what your body's trying to tell you is is you know don't play that character just just don't be joe for a little bit right be be nothing what was that i don't know whoa that was the cat oh it was my cat up to something yeah. okay anyway the cat was like yes <laughs> and like hit the wall but no yeah the more the more i'm thinking about it man it's like like there's certain guys that i work with at work and i'm thinking about it now like there's one guy it's like you do conduct yourself differently around different people. Because there's one guy that it's like, I, I, and I base it a lot on like kind of what you have in common with that person is kind exactly. of what dictates how you interact with them. Like there's one older guy, he and I. What, what, no, go ahead. I, I think I know what you're going to say. He and I both like raise chickens. and uh, You do too. Yeah. And so he talks. So when he comes in, we jump to that. Maybe another guy comes in and I... First off, I maybe shut down my cursing a little because I know this guy is fairly religious. Uh, okay. That doesn't mean I'm a shill or a sellout. That just means that I know he doesn't, you know, dig that really. So it's like when I'm around my daughter uh, and there's two schools of thought on it. You know, you can say, well, I'm not going to change the way she needs. But no, she's 12 and I usually curse. But when she's around, I don't. She very rarely hears me say any curse words and not any disparaging anyone who does curse in front of their kids. Me personally, I don't want her to see me do that. So that's just even no. like I haven't smoked for four. I, and a half. I do a little bit, but I cool it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like I haven't smoked for over four years, but even two years before that, I didn't smoke in front of my kid. I just didn't want her to have that image thinking, you know, uh, memories of me smoking. So because the other day I was I think I, I may have said this on. I think I've only got like four stories in my whole damn life. So I think I've said them all on the podcast, but you're going to hear it again. But I was like, oh, man, it's June, whatever. Uh, It's four years since I quit smoking. And she's like, no, Dad, it's been like six. And I was like, well, (laughs) it's been six since I told you I quit. But it's been four since I actually quit. So it's a different anniversary than what you're thinking. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, we can celebrate that other one too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So but back to Foster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it has to, it has to take a toll. It, it, when I first read about it, I, I first, Jim Carrey is a huge follower and Jim Carrey was talking about it because he was on another podcast and someone mentioned, uh, his name and he said, well, I'm playing Jim Carrey right now. And that raised an eyebrow. I thought he was trying to be funny. Yeah. But then later on, he went into it, and he, he recommended this guy, Jeff Foster. He's younger than I am. He's, like, in his 30s. Um, but uh, I follow him on Facebook, and I list, I've listened to him on some podcasts. And he's just um, – you might think he's weird at first because he's kind of out there with some of the things that he says. Um, but I just think he's just – I think he's gifted. And he, and he has this way of viewing the world – and I, I could be, you know, just like somebody, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid on this guy. I don't think so. So in that in that vein of thinking, are are you really then your are we our true selves? Like like, let's say I get home from work and I'm, you know, my wife doesn't get home for a little bit, to, you know, to a little bit after me. So I'm well. And then at work, let's talk about that. I'm at work by myself. Are you your true self when there's no one around? Yeah, I at you know, all, I I think I mean I don't I don't know that, that he's ever said anything about that that I've read or or heard him say, um, but I do think this. I had this thought and I haven't confirmed it with any of his things that he's written about. I need to buy one of his books, um, but um, I think that the relationships that last the longest and are the that the most meaningful is are the ones where you're not playing that person to a crazy degree. Yeah. Uh, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. Obviously you're, you're more of the person that you are and you're not acting and pretending to be this person. Um, you know, I, I have nothing to back that up. It's just common sense. No, I think, I think, yeah, I feel like, well, with you, I don't feel like, uh, I play a character. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I feel well, like I, you I think get... I do right now on this podcast, because as soon as we turn it off, it's going to be three, fart jokes and and well yeah uh, we're both going to be cussing well yeah um, we were talking about that earlier too <laughs> like we because okay so f- for those of you listening i ivan and myself and my wife were before this podcast even started we were downstairs on the front porch talking for like an hour and at the end of the conversation i was like man that whole conversation would have been a great podcast but then my wife said or was it you <laughs> yeah you'd have to edit some of it out you'd have to edit some of it out and um, as soon as you hit record it's like reality tv it's not reality right we you um, change even if it's just slightly you do change just a little bit because this is being recorded you know that you know it's like mm-hmm. there so like you said there can't be reality tv because the second you know that a camera is on you that's right you it does change your behavior it does it will change well even if here's what i think i think that you and I are like seventh graders. Really? <laughs> I agree. Mentally. And I think that um, that's probably why I'm in education. And that's why I don't want to go any higher than like middle school. Not that I act like them. I may like when they're around, I don't, but I think I can kind of understand them. Um, yeah. I can't yeah. understand high schoolers because I never got there mentally. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I love that. Like, <laughs> If I say something that makes me seem like I'm above that, I'm just playing a character and I'll be, I am fake. Sorry. Um, so are you. So, <laughs> so is anyone listening. I looked at you when I said that, but what I meant is I know, I know what you mean. all of you. <laughs> now there's probably some guy or girl that lives out in the middle of nowhere, or maybe lives in society that just doesn't care what people think. 
And back to Richard. I think he's just being Richard. Take it away. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think he's closer to being a real person and not being fake than, than us. That's why I like him. Yeah. And maybe to, that's to true for that. all mental patients. Uh, it, it might be that true veil for, has been yeah. lifted where they're like, they're, they're not just, trying to play. They're not trying to play in society and be something that we think they should all be. Yeah. They, for some reason, they don't have that thing that tells them they should do that. And maybe they're lucky in a way. And I hate that they have to suffer um, because they are. Yeah. But we've got to we've got to keep this grass mode and keep we got to keep this lawn. There you go. <laughs> you know, we got to tame this wilderness. Yeah, man. I tell you what, my my first job ever was at McDonald's when I was 16. Oh, you did Yeah, for two weeks. Oh, but go ahead. Mine was I made it. <laughs> oh. I made it 10 months somehow. Oh, wow. And then I got fired. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> but my favorite day, I think it was Tuesday nights. Um there was a town not far from there. It's the same speed trap town I got pulled oh, over. Okay. But there was a mental institution. There still is there. <laughs> and uh, they would bus those folks over to McDonald's and they would get them an ice cream cone just every Tuesday night. Um, and that was my favorite. I used to oh, love to that watch them. Awesome. Man, there was one dude that looked like Shannon Hoon. That's the lead singer of Blind Melon. And if you don't know that, you turn off. You're not cool. Anyway, no, I'm not. I don't mean to judge. Unsubscribe. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But. He really did. He looked just like him. And he always wore just like these plain white T-shirts, but he always would write something on the front with like a marker. <laughs> but it was all jumbled. And I would, I used to like, I would pretend like I was cleaning the table by him because I was trying to read his shirt, you know. But it, I don't even know. To this day, I don't think I ever really read anything or could read anything. But then there was an old, an old black man with really thick glasses and kind of like a gray afro and it was hunched over and he was just always whispering to himself. I just thought they were so fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I would always watch those people when they came in and sat down and had their ice cream cone. Every, every one of them was such a character. It was yeah. cool. No, I, I've been fascinated with that as well. My uh, great friend in high school, he had a net, uh, an uncle that was like that. And the, he came to live with them and his favorite thing to do. He had a desk in his room and he would just sit there and write numbers He'd write a number and draw a square around it. Whoa. And he'd have stacks of numbers, you know, <laughs> That's wild. Of, page, of pages of numbers. Yeah. And he had, we were out and uh, we used to do this thing. We'd hike up on top of their mountain. They own like a mountain and not too far from here. And uh, we were up there one day and I, there was a desk in the middle of the field. And I was like, oh, what's that doing there? He's like, well, when we come up here and do hay, he sits there in that desk and he writes numbers, and we're doing hay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was, it's like, it was under a shade tree. And yeah, like, man. Yeah. That's so cool. So he just loved it, and you'd talk to him, and you couldn't understand a word that he said about him. He'd do, and he'd point, and he'd point to different numbers. Yeah. And I was like, man, is this like Rain Man? Is it like, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to make fun of the guy, because I love the guy. Every time, you know, you see him, he'd come up and give you a hug, and he was just a great guy, and he never hurt anyone but he just loved numbers yeah and they're well formed yeah so <laughs> that's the teacher coming out in yeah you. <laughs> yeah so they didn't make any sense but you know i just wondered if you just or like, did they i know have I you seen thought, that nicholas cage movie knowing yeah, so i was just wondering if you if you gave those to like the late great stephen hawking what if he was like this is you know the formula to you know, to solve what a black hole's gravity oh, fields yeah. do. Man, that's like a movie plot. That'd yeah, be awesome. I know. Let's write it. Let's go. Screenplay next. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, hey, I think that's it for us. I feel good. Yeah, this this is a great episode. This was a fun podcast. I'm not even listening to this one.
Yeah. Yeah. So Ivan's notorious for not listening. And that's fine. Because I'm like, I hate that guy. That Joe. No. I'm like, I hate me, but I don't really because I'm just playing a character that's me. Well, and I know what you mean because I'll, I, I re listen to all of them. And, well, I. I think you sound fine, but to me, I'm always like, Jesus Christ, how many times are you going to say, you know, you know, like, shut up. And I'm like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's enough self. That's enough self-deprecation. Sure. But yeah. Good episode. Good work today, Ivan. Yep. Good work. Okay. See you next time. Thank you all for listening.